2: Welcome to this week's episode of the Inspired Evolution. This week we have the immense pleasure of welcoming on board Jason Goldberg. Jason's the number one international best-selling author of a book called Prison Break, which is all about releasing your inner victim and all those excuses so you become the best version of yourself. He's a transformational speaker that's spoken on the TEDx stage. And my personal favourite, he's a humorizer of life. His approach to prosperity is coined the playful prosperity. So tune into a conversation that really is about taking life not too seriously to have the best life ever. This week's podcast is sponsored by Lifecycle. Lifecycle are Australia's leading medicinal mushroom growers. They're focused on solving global issues using mushroom biotechnologies. Lifecycle's magic mushroom ranges enable and enhance states of well being in delicious and convenient drinks. My personal experience with medicinal mushrooms is that in the last four years that I've been taking medicinal mushrooms as a health supplement in my morning tonics, I have not been sick for the last four years. My personal favourites are Shaga, Reishi, Cordyceps, and Lion's Mane. A little bit about them. Shaga is great for your immunities. Reishi is great to recover and de-stress. Uh, Lion's Mane is great as a nootropic. And Cordyceps, great for performance. At the moment, the guys at Lifecycle have been, they've been so generous, so kind. They're really supporting the work that the Inspired Evolution is doing, and they love the vibe that we're all about. So they're offering the listeners of the Inspired Evolution 15% off anything that you want to order from life cycle so i'm completely humbled by this generous offer of theirs so find your way to their website check out what's on offer again my favorites are shaga reishi lion's mane and cordyceps and get yourself 15 percent off 15 percent off comes with a discount code with the name amrit a-m-r-i-t my first name check that in there upgrade your health look after yourself and tune into a yummy conversation here Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. It is such a treat to be coming to you today with the vibes from none other than Jason Goldberg. Jason, how are you, brother?
0: Dude, I'm I'm great, but we broke the internet. I know. We are so powerful together, we broke the internet.
2: <laughs> Took us a minute to dial in together. The internet gods really had to had to wait for the opportune moment. I think stars were aligning for this to happen actually. Probably-
0: all the chakras. <laughs> Every one of them, chakra, chakra junior, chakra khan, all the chakras are, are in line now.
2: <laughs> They've invented chakras in this process, I feel like. that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Totally, I
2: love it. For those tuning in for the first time, just to give you a bit of an insight, um, Jason uh, Humbly, very humbly, is an he's an award winning entrepreneur. He's a TEDx speaker. Um, he calls himself a baconitarian, which we'll definitely be talking a lot about that today. Um, and, okay, so it's a vegetarian who still eats bacon. Um, he loves funky socks. He's a former rapper who actually, like, without a word of a lie, opened for Wu Tang Clan. And uh, he also, like, was previously. He was about 135 kilos and he's peeled that back, as you can see in this in, uh, in this video now. Um, and for those listening in, he is healthy, fit and thriving. So um, yeah, he's, he's a self-confessed geek turned entrepreneur, turned international and transformational speaker. Um, he's a trainer, coach and author and a host. Um, And he's (laughs) in this enthusiastic and hilarious package. He blends his love for personal growth um, into speaking, training, workshops to help people open their minds, transform their lives and business. And hopefully his his main purpose in life is to make people pee their pants from laughter. So, and, you know, I think he's actually on, he's doing all right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason these podcasts, these video podcasts are from the waist up. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's all making sense now. <laughs> I, um, oh, I think that's probably a great place to start, brother, is, um, you know, I know it probably wouldn't have always been the case because I know you've worked, you've done, you know, you've, you've CEOed companies that have been consulted to NASA, you've worked in IT and engineering. <laughs> And that doesn't, that doesn't sound like the most playful place to be, you know, so <laughs> let's, uh, let's dive straight into that. Like, um, I know one of your offerings is called uh, Playful Prosperity, um, but where, like, where does this, what, like, do is this something you cultivate? Is this something that was always on the back burner or always on the agenda, but never was really there? Like, tell me your story about um, pros- uh, playful, playf- being playful.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and I have an interesting definition. <clears throat> I use the word playful. Well, not mainly I use the word playful in playful prosperity because I just love alliteration. Uh-huh. Right. I just think it's amazing because like joyful prosperity or, or light plus prosperity or humorous prosperity didn't fit as well. But for me, like, Playful is, and I have, so I have these, these, my intent bracelets, which you've, you've probably seen, I'm sure you've seen before, yes. you put whatever like word or, or phrase you want on there. And, and I wear two because I'm an overachiever. Um, <laughs> one, of them, one of them says amor fati, which is like, it means love your faith, like love what is in, in Latin. Uh. Um, and then the other one says spirit of play. And and spirit of play is really what I mean when I talk about being playful. It's not about necessarily the traditional sense of, like, let's throw water balloons at people and let's, you know, shoot people with Nerf guns and let's, like, get drunk and party all the time. Like, it's not that kind of play. Right. It is this spirit of creativity. Uh, one one of my mantras is creativity is greater than circumstance. Right. Mm-hmm. So So for me... Our innate creativity, our ability to focus on resourcefulness over resources is the definition of living a life of playful prosperity. It's saying, given the conditions of the game in which I am playing right now, given, given the reality I'm facing, this is not about lying and sticking your head in the sand or wearing rose-colored glasses. It's saying, given the actual facts of the situation that are in front of me, what does my innate creativity say that I can do to play with this? to play with the interpretations, to play with the explanations, to play with the resources that are in front of me. How can I play with this? So for me, I've always been like kind of a joyful, jokey, class clown kind of person on the outside, but but what was the way that was cultivated originally, initially, was actually from a place of really uh, deep pain. And, and growing up, I was always somebody, as you mentioned, you know, being what you said it was 135 kilos, so 332 pounds, I'm guessing that translates. I have been really heavy my entire life, like physically heavy. And so from a very young age, because I was made fun of for being fat and, and I was ridiculed for being, you know, morbidly obese and really overweight, I had always felt this sense of kind of not enoughness. Like I, I didn't know where I fit in and I didn't know how to feel like I was a valuable human being. And what I ended up finding was that it actually was very natural for me to make people laugh and to be the class clown and to be the kind of center of attention. So it was my way of getting love and approval and feeling like I was enough right? So that's where it came from. Like, it wasn't something I cultivated and said, this is going to be great for my career one day. It was just like, it just kind of, it, it came as, as a, as a, as a security blanket, right? Like as a defense mechanism. And, and I always say like back then the two things that I ended up developing as a defense mechanism that completely served me now in, in my life and in my business is the comedy and humor kind of aspect to, to feel like I had some, some worth. And second, since women did not look at me as like, A potential boyfriend or like a sexual object when I'm you know a teenager like a young kid. I guess they shouldn't be looking at me as a sexual object too young of a kid. But you know what I mean. Nobody was like sending me Valentine's notes and saying you know will you be my boyfriend. I was like well how can I provide value to to the women to the girls and it was developing empathy. So they would come to me with all their problems and so I'd still have that female connection even if it wasn't a romantic one. So. So I developed this kind of comedic prowess and this joy and this humor, and I developed empathy. And those things now are the core of what I do as a business. So Mm -hmm. the reason I tell the story that way is because I want anybody watching this to know that if you think you don't have a genius zone or you think you don't have a superpower, uh, you're, you're not remembering far back enough in your life. Because if you look back into your early days of of being a child or even a teenager and you look at either what you were really praised for and got validation for and got approval for or or the thing you got in trouble for, these are the things that are going to point you to the clues of what your genius zone is that can be fully injected and and fully uh, transferable into whatever it is you want to do that's going to light your soul on fire in your life and your business.
2: I love it. So, getting into trouble is that why? Um, is that why you you showed up for the Wu-Tang clan at some point?
0: <laughs> that is. <yeah. laughs> because the Rutan is looking for somebody to open, open for them. They go, let's find a fat Jewish kid who <laughs> was a fat clown in school. There he is. We found him. <laughs> I, I love was the poster child.
2: Especially growing up in like the 2000s and the 90s, you definitely fit the stereotype of like successful going to be rapper. Like that is just totally.
0: <laughs> So, just like Drake, just like Drake, the half Jewish guy from Canada. He is like the poster child for successful rap. It's me and Drake, all of me. It's me and Drake. I love it.
2: Thank you so much. There was so much in that and I really appreciate um hearing your um your, your version of the spirit of play and uh just what that means to you and also like trying to find the the places in your life where that may be where that may be germinating. So, you know, you've uh what like was there a point at which it really it really came home to you? Like what was the point that you like transitioned into being someone that is going to support your own playful prosperity and stepping into that as being your not just your way of being but also your offering and were they sort of coupled in terms of okay, i'm really going to own my my, my playfulness and see if i can play the game of life and offer co- offer coaching and that sort of stuff and unplug from um let's say what it was your your corporate gigs
0: yeah for sure it's, it's such a good question so so when I, when I left my last corporate job, this was, uh, in 2011, uh, and I was left when they say 2011, it's not 2000 and it's 2011. So when I left, when I left my corporate job in, in 2011, let's say that, uh, I actually started a, I had two more traditional startups, so I didn't jump directly into personal growth, speaking, coaching, any of that stuff. Um, I had a, uh, an executive transportation company that I launched first. It was kind of an intersection of executive transportation and technology. Very, very cool company that failed miserably. Uh, not a great time to be raising money in the market, but we had a really cool concept. We got the CEO of Priceline.com to be on our advisory board. We raised money. Like it was a really cool venture. Uh, and, and I learned so much about, about entrepreneurship and about myself and about a lot of things. Um, And then my second uh, company that I started, that's actually still up and running, I'm just not a part of it day-to-day anymore, was this company where we uh, started a technology commercialization company where we have exclusive license to three patents from the U.S. uh, space shuttle program. And so we were doing some technology commercialization to take their tech and move it out of the government and into the public sector uh, and education and things like that. So. So that was really cool. And and I really figured out through all those things. And even my last corporate job that I was in for seven years, smallish company, it was probably a $10 million company by the time I left. Uh, I helped to, to scale that company from six figures to high seven into low eight figures. And so I'd always loved business and I always loved being in all the inner workings of business. I loved gr- uh, building and, 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 and launching um, and then the growth part as well. And so I, I did these first two startups and it was great and I learned a lot, but there was still something missing for me, and I now know it's that I really value uh, my ability to be a teacher. And so when I looked back at the ways that I was really successful in my technology job, and I saw the place where I added a lot of value in both of my startups, it was in the storytelling. It was in the investor relations. It was in the business development. It was in which all these things are really about connecting with people's souls. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards.
1: Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
0: I mean, that's really, like, that's all sales is. Like I used to say, I used to think I hated sales. And what I realized was I hated rushing relationships, right? and so once i could slow that down and be like i don't need to rush anything i don't this is not an elevator pitch i don't need to close you ever but especially not the first time i talk to you like when it was really just became a true relationship game, like let me get this person's world, let's get what's really important to them, not to leverage, but just so they can actually feel like seen and heard and, and like somebody gives a crap about them, mm. that somehow made my sales better. It, you know, It's funny how that works. Yeah. So I noticed that like the teaching and the performance element and, and the really feeling like I'm serving people was something that was missing from some of those startups or the pieces that I love the most about those startups were, were when I was doing those things. And that's what led me into the business I'm doing now, which I kind of fell into coaching um, because through my own pain and through my own struggles and through my own uh, being overweight, and that's not just overweight in my body, but you know, feeling this sense of weight, emotional weight, mental weight, uh, just walking around with all this heaviness, financial weight, even though I was making well over six figures in my corporate job, still worrying about money flipping constantly, no matter how much money was in the bank, all these types of weight that I carried around. It wasn't until I started losing that weight and that was through being coached and that was through diving into personal growth. And it was through experimenting with with shifting my paradigm around the conditioning that I had been taught throughout my entire life and the models and examples I had set by my family and by society around me. It wasn't until I found just an incredible coach that really helped to point me to what he knew to be true that I then saw was true for me as well. That my life really started transforming, and it became this thing that's where I said I love teaching, I love performing, I love to serve people, and now, now I have my own transformation. That I know how powerful this work is. I can't not do this in some capacity, and that's what I moved over into coaching and speaking and teaching and doing the things that I do now. But I didn't know that right away. It's like, and and especially going back to the original question. I know this is a, a long answer to a short question, but but I, I didn't know when I first even got into this business, the personal growth business of coaching and speaking and all this, I even tried to be somebody I wasn't. I, I was suit and tie and I was like, you know, trying to mimic the people that are out there. But that's how you find your voice. Like the Beatles were a freaking cover band when they started, right? They didn't start the Beatles. So I mimicked people's voices and the more I would speak in their voice, voice the more I would feel distance between what my heart was telling me to do and, and my, my intention and my impact, they kept going further apart instead of coming closer together mm-hmm. and and what I started finding out was that people would say things to me and really I really got this on being super honest in the last like 18 months to two years especially I've been doing this this career now for about five years but in the last two two years or so this really came to me is that people would come up to me all the time and they'd read my book or they'd see me speak or they'd see a video online they do whatever and they would say like oh I love that content or I love that distinction or that really helped me but the thing that was the common denominator for everybody was they would say some version of, you know, when I see you, it just gives me more permission to be more playful or it gives me permission to be more joyful or it gives me permission to be more silly or it gives me permission to be more self-expressed. And I literally do what I'm telling you. I would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Whatever. Like that's, not, anybody can do that. And I would go back to like, but what about the content did you really like? And it took me hearing this over and over again to finally say, wait a second. What if my, What if my ability to help transform people is 90% me and 10% my content? What if I really started owning the fact that what I activate within other people is more important than what I'm known for from a content perspective? And when I leaned into that and I found that joy is that thing, that 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 is really my thing, and this is how it changed my business. Number one, my business plan is to leave everybody with 5% more joy than I found them. And number two, my business strategy is to really give a crap about the people that I do work with and everything else works out, dude.
2: <laughs> I absolutely love that. I only want long answers to short questions from now on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, then you came to the right place.
2: <laughs> that is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. So just in and around that, we've touched on two things already, which are part of um, a system that I've, I've heard um like being delivered by you which is i know you've got your consistency service mastery playfulness so we've touched on service we've touched on playfulness um like i think mastery will come but i really want to um have this conversation around consistency because i think that's a message that's like like even on just my own personal journey with this podcast it's a weekly thing and i've just noticed just how how potent just being consistent can be and it's not as hard as people think it to be so consistency what does that show up for you in your life
0: I love that. It's so funny that you asked that because I have like a, like a quote meme that comes out every day that I I post on social media, like one of my quotes and the quote today was actually um, to focus on consistency over intensity, right? Consistency over intensity, because like anybody can work 80 hours a week for like a month or two, or maybe even six months or maybe even a year. But if you're in it for the long game, if you're in it for the long haul, and people like you and anybody who would be listening to this, they want to make an impact in the world, but they don't want it to be fleeting, right? Where you make an impact for six months and then you, you know, fade off into oblivion. You want to be able to serve people in the long term. Consistency is it. And there's so many people that I, I've worked with, and, and even people that have been in like high level mastermind programs of mine that have paid a lot of money to be in a program that I've, I've developed. And they come in and I ask, what is it that you want? And they say, accountability. And I said, then I probably should give you your money back because I don't do accountability. And they say, why? And I say, because if you're not taking action, it's not an accountability issue. It's not a discipline issue. It's not a work ethic issue. In a very loving, gentle, compassionate, and factual way, it's an integrity issue. Because if we have full integrity, if we really live into our word, like back in the 90s rap, especially rap music in the 90s, there was a phrase that at least in the East Coast, I don't think it was a big West Coast thing, on the East Coast, East Coast rappers would always say, word is bond, right? My word bonds me to what I say I'm going to do. And they would use it as a braggadocio thing, like I'm the greatest rapper alive, word is bond. If I said it, I meant it. If I said it, it's true. And somehow, some point, we are so good, a lot of us, the majority of us, at being in integrity with our word to others. But for some reason, we don't think we are as important to keep our promises to as everybody else. And that's why accountability seems good because it seems like, well, that other person's more important than me. So keeping my word to them is easy. No you are the most important person in the world to keep your promises to. Mm -hmm. So if you ask yourself at any given moment, when you think that like you, you know you should be doing certain things in your life or your business and you're not, then it's, it's a very simple question, not judgmental. This is not to blame or shame yourself. You're not a bad person. If you're out of integrity, you're not a good person. If you're in integrity, Mm -hmm. it's simply some things are productive and some things are unproductive. Being in integrity typically is productive. Being out of integrity is typically unproductive. So I ask myself, do I want to be productive? And if the answer is yes, I say yes. And then I ask myself, am I in integrity? And if the answer is yes, then great. And if the answer is no, I say, cool. How can I be in 5% more integrity in this moment? And I move forward from there. It's bit, I want to make it as unemotional as possible, because a lot of people hear the word integrity, and they immediately make it a moral principle kind of thing. And it's not. It's You're not a good person if you're in t- integrity. It's not an emotional thing. It's simply a decision. It's simply a moment by moment choice.
2: I love that so that uh, especially where you just tied that out it's a uh, for those listening in Jason has previously been described with and I'd love this <laughs> is a uh, 50% woo and 50% do <laughs> so it's it's, uh, it's totally fitting because we're talking about integrity but then also just like how can I feel 5% more like in integrity and there's also a message that's uh, just under the layer there which I really want to pick at the thread at is um you know this this integrity and these conversations that we have in ourselves. I know you do a lot of public speaking on confidence as well and just that relationship that you form with yourself and how your self-worth is intrinsically related to what you will say to yourself and how you treat yourself so confidence brother let's have a how important is confidence to to everything
0: yeah i think i think confidence what i always like to say is that confidence is a result not a prerequisite Mm. right so when when i so in in prison break so my book prison break that the distinction i share in there is prisoner versus self-leader in any given moment you can choose, this is not a personality disorder where you're either a prisoner or a self leader. In any given moment, based on the situation at hand, you can either react as a prisoner of circumstance where you're at the whim of the economy and you're at the whim of whoever's in the White House and you're at the whim of the song on the radio that reminds you of your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, like you're always just a victim of everything happening outside of you or you can be a self leader where you take a really creative role and take personal responsibility, radical personal responsibility for the experience you're having in life. You don't take responsibility for other people. You take responsibility for your experience and how you're contributing to the experience you're feeling. So for me, the need to have confidence as a prerequisite is something that a prisoner would do because a prisoner would say, until I have this thing that I want to feel, I can't take the action where a self leader says, all I need is 5% more courage to do the thing. And whether I fail or I succeed, I get the courage points, and immediately I'm more confident. So when I when I see that, the, the need for confidence is literally just a misunderstanding in my head that I need something before I can take action. As soon as I realize that's just what I call an SFM, a simple fundamental misunderstanding, then I can take action, and not having confidence is irrelevant. Mm.
2: Perfect. I
0: love that. So the talking on the prison break, I think we've
2: um, we've touched on a few of the key theme topics, obviously naturally talking to you would have gotten there, but I think that sort of opens up the, the, the point of um, mastery as well, because I know that there's this whole point of um, I, I I think that was one of the most profound things I got out of the book, which was the delineation between like, I I never coupled. um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it mastery with, patience like that just mm. that you know like that wasn't that wasn't what I thought you know like and and when when I put it out there it's like oh that makes sense to be a master at the guitar it's like just be patient keep going keep going keep going keep going but in your day-to-day life when you realize oh, I'm, I want to like like master this it's more about how do I work this out and work that out and then work this out and work that out it's a set of actions rather than just patience you know and that was really something that really helped me out of your book so thank you for that but also i think that's really something we should we should talk about and like what's been your own experience with that with that mastery and where did like how did that realization drop in for you
0: yeah so the interesting thing about mastery is is a couple things about mastery so first of all i would definitely 1000% recommend that everybody read the book mastery uh by by george leonard uh, small book, th- you know thin book, you can probably read it in, in a couple hours, uh, mm-hmm. but just still one of the one of the greatest books I've ever read. And, and what I experience from him and from what he talks about what the path of mastery looks like, I, I totally feel that way and and what he talks about is essentially that on the path to mastery, there are going to be more times than that where you feel like you're either on a plateau or even moving backward a little bit. <laughs> And, and you're actually moving forward and setting yourself for a, proje- for a trajectory where you wake up one day and it's like, boom, hockey stick. But most people won't stick that out. There's a great quote uh, from Byron Katie. I'm not familiar with, you all with Byron Katie, but she's like one of my number one mentors. And I kind of have a crush on her. It's the only woman over 70 I've ever had a crush on. And uh, I just, I'm absolutely obsessed with her. And, and she has this thing that she says, you can have anything you want in the world if you ask a thousand people. And, and, and nobody's ever disproven it because either A, they get what they want far before the 1,000 or B, they give up before the 1,000. And that's such a message of mastery to me is like if you really care about the work you're doing, if you really care about the people you're doing the work for, if you really care about showing up in a powerful way and making a difference, if you're really in it for the long haul, what the F is the rush to master things overnight? Like, if you really want to make that big of an impact and you want to make it long term, you need to be on the journey because your journey is part of what is going to serve people. Right. And I've said before, like nobody gives a retirement speech after working at a job for a year <laughs> because nobody would give a crap. They'd have no story. They'd have no experience. They would have no journey. People want to follow a journey. Right. And so, like, especially if you're in any kind of healing capacity and you don't have to be a coach, if you're an entrepreneur, I hope that if you're an entrepreneur, you are creating something of value in the world. So you are a servant, no matter what it is you're creating. Uh, Even if you work in a corporation and you decide to be an intrapreneur and not go off on your own and you want to affect change from inside a corporation, same thing is true. If you don't find that you are a value provider in the world, find a new company or find a new position or find a new job or start your own company, whatever those things are. But all of those things, in order to really be impactful, require mastery. And something else that I say about that is that the opposite of mastery is apathy, right? The opposite of mastery is apathy. Because if you really love something, mastery is something that you are happy to partake in, no matter how long it takes. But if you can't actually truly care about the thing that you're working on, mastery will elude you at every turn. I
2: love that. I absolutely love that because it's it's that care and that love for what you do that will drive you into where you want to go with that. I, that's yeah. That's that's really something special. And uh, I really appreciated that quote that uh, if you're willing to ask, uh, what was it? It was you can have anything you want. If you're willing to ask a thousand people. That's that's um, yeah. That I, I yeah. That's really awesome. There's a uh, there's another there's another thing that um that's come out of, uh, of basically your offerings, which really resonates with me, um, which I admittedly don't use as much, but it, I think I've got my own way of dancing with it. And it's, it's this really simple question, really simple question is, how do you intend to use your life? Yes. And it's, it's something that like, <laughs> it's, uh, I can see when you described it, it was, you know, I, um, I, I, my, my question is, um, is more around like, if this, was, if this was easy and happy, how would it look right now for me? Love So that's kind of my question, but I can see that, you know, how do you intend to use your life is just like when you're, I can imagine that there's certain times when you're down or something's going on and it's like, where does, you know, like, where is this going and how, what does that, like, where did that question come from? What does it mean to you? Tell us more about how do you intend to use your life?
0: Yeah, it's, it's such a, it's so funny because when I give one, one of the keynotes that I give, I open up with that question. And, and, and I'll do something to engage the audience to ask them how much this question resonates or if this question feels powerful for them and you get almost no hands. <laughs> <laughs> because we're not taught, hey, there, there's two very key words in, in the phrase, in, in the statement, how do you intend to use your life? There is intend, right? That is the language of a self leader. How do I intend? Like not how do I hope, not how do I wish? How do I intend? That's the language of action, right? Yeah. How do I intend to use my life, right? So intention and use, both action-based verbs. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not something we're taught. We're taught that we are to react to life, that life uses us, that we are going to you know, cling onto the tree as tightly as we can while the hurricane comes through and hope that we don't get swept away. And that, at least for me, that's the way I was raised, like always be on guard, wait for the other shoe to drop and blame anybody who, who blame anybody if you don't get the results that you want, right? And it was all very innocent and, and that comes from, you know, a lineage in the family. My mom didn't make it up. She learned it from her parents who learned it from their parents and we learned it from the media and everywhere else. So it's, it's no different than having, living in a household where everybody speaks French. If you don't speak Spanish, you're not stupid. You just didn't have Spanish, right? So French was your language. And as soon as you then start learning Spanish, because you realize, oh, I can intentionally choose to learn a different language than the language I was I was born and grown up into. Mm-hmm. Then immediately, all of a sudden, once you learn Spanish, you have these two languages available to you. And no matter what happens, you say, I can respond with French or I can respond with Spanish. So in any given moment, I can respond with prisoner. I can respond with self-leader. And so so to me, like that's, that is the moment-by-moment moment choice that we have to, uh, to, to show up in that way in, in, in service of ourselves. And so when we ask that question, how do I intend to use my life? It puts me back in the driver's seat. It puts me back, instead of me uh, transferring my power to something else outside of me, whether it's a situation or a person or whatever, it has me show back up and go, oh, wait a second, hold on, hold on. Yes, there are circumstances. Yes, the economy may not be doing what I wanted to do. Yes, maybe the person in the White House is not the one that I would have chosen. Yes, my ex is dating somebody now and, and I'm seeing it on Facebook. All those things are real. I'm not telling you to lie about it. What I'm saying is there's a fact that those things are happening and then there's the story about what that means for me. And when I ask the question, how do I intend to use my life today, then I see all those things and say, that's all great, but that doesn't have any bearing on what I choose to do next. So for me, it's a power play. It just puts me back in the driver's seat to decide how I want to intentionally move forward.
2: That's beautiful. And I think in there, there's this there's this essence that I really wanted to touch on with you as well before I know you've got to go soon, which is um, the idea that um, I've, I've heard many coaches speak, and this is probably one of the biggest things that I really enjoy listening to you speak about. Um is like different people have different ideas on like what personal transformation has to do with themselves and that self-work as as what that contributes to their development their career their life and i know and this is why something that resonates completely for me with with your message and your vibe and (laughs) yourself um is just the idea of you know that is the crux of it all basically it's such a big part of the pie is the self-transformation and the self-work um yeah i'd love to i'd love to just uh, acknowledge that and sort of have a have a a quick little share about like, you know, just the, the working on the self and how vital that is and why, in your opinion, is that the one of such a big chunk to the part?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge, uh, especially if you want to do anything that is, again, of value in the world. And so like, I even have a thing to, to give you an example, very important for me that I, I show up for my clients and I show up for the people I work with and I, and I show up for the people that hire me to come and do speaking engagements. Like I really like, I care. Remember my, my business strategy is like really give a crap about the people you do work with. And I really take that to heart. I'm I'm not serious about it, but I'm very sincere. It means a lot to me. And so it is actually in the agreement with my clients, like my private one-on-one clients, it is in writing that I will have meditated, exercised and made sure that I am ready to come to a session to serve them, right? So that work that I do on me is not just for me. In fact, in some ways, it's in the very least, it's for me. If I have this commitment to mastery, to playful, consistent mastery on the thing that I want to do in the world and how I want to serve people, then it is a part of that, not a part from that. To be doing the work on myself and to take care of myself. Now, does it doesn't mean that I never skip a workout or I never eat cheesecake or I never get pissed off or or what? Of course not. That's like, that's ridiculous. It's the human experience. And people ask me this, dude, all the time. Like when I come off stage of, of a keynote or they read the book and they go, This is amazing, I love it, I get the whole self-leader thing. How do I do this a hundred percent of the time? <laughs> And I tell them, when you find out, you let me know. Because <laughs> I, I am dying to know. Because that's not the way it works. It's a moment by moment thing. So the self work is a way for us to make sure that we are. Uh, staying in control as much as we can of our experience of the world, but also so that we can be the example, and that we can be in an optimal level of our own health and well-being, so that we can serve others. So the beautiful thing about being in the profession that we're in, and and again this could spread to a lot of other professions, but just specifically the profession we're in, is that the the degree to which we take care of ourselves, the extent to which we are we are. Uh, um, dedicated to our own personal mastery is in direct proportion to the transformation we can facilitate for other people.
2: The space we hold amazing. So on that journey, like just finally, um, I know we're sort of coming to a wrap here and uh, I just want to ask you, I know your book has been really incredible. Um, I've really enjoyed reading it and it's, it's quite mm-hmm. a humble offering. Like you, I know you talk about it here and there, but I, I don't think you hop on about it enough to be honest. Um, it's, mm-hmm. I think there's a, the way society is structured and you touched on this before is um it, there's a there's there's just a lot of space for everyone to be a victim let's just acknowledge that you know and so um prison break basically uh, is just about breaking free from victim mentality and not and then, like the metaphor you gave before was so beautiful in terms of just like learning spanish and french you know it's just like having another language just having the language of the self-leader and then you can choose which one you're going to dialogue in um it is yeah it is really a gem is there like you mentioned um Mastery by George Leonard. Is there a book that you would like to recommend um, to listeners on their journey? I know it's such a broad topic for people like yourself um, No, no,
0: no, no yeah, there are there are a few books that I mean I go back to over and over again. So so definitely Mastery by George Leonard, yeah. um, Loving What Is by Byron Katie is another one of my favorites. Of course, my my pseudo girlfriend that she doesn't know that we're in a relationship, <laughs> uh, my seventy plus year old girlfriend. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching Katie, they call her Katie. Uh, I, I would say that now the other thing, and then so those are two that are like directly related to personal growth. Mm-hmm. And then on the business side, um, a lot of the work that I do is I do, my whole thing is that I really want people to stop doing business as usual because we've been taught for years and years and years. This is the way to run a business. This is how you show up. You better be serious. You better be a professional. And they call that business as usual. And so now what my, I feel like my mission in the world is, is to help people do business unusual. Right? So there are people doing business as usual, I wanna do business unusual. And so that involves a lot of creativity, it involves a lot of self-expression, it involves a lot of uh, finding the overlap between your authentic self and how you can best serve. Finding the overlap between the framework I have for this is your genius zone, your comfort zone, and your service zone. I actually don't think you need to get out of your comfort zone in a lot of respects, and we don't have time to talk about that today, maybe ne- next interview. But but it's really important for, me to, for people to see that there are ways to build businesses that are really in line with who you are as a human being. And that once you decide to really turn pro and, and treat your business like a business, but also really inject who you are into the business. So you're not what, what's called, what I call, it's a Japanese term, it's a Japanese disease. It's called also oh, do I. Have you heard of this before? Also oh, do I. No. So yeah, it comes from the foothills of Tokyo. Oh, so do I is um, you meet somebody at a networking event and you say, um, you, you're, you coach? Oh, so do I. Oh, you have a book? Oh, so do I. Oh, you have a course? Oh, so do I. And so we are all running these businesses that look essentially exactly the same, uh-huh. right? So I want to bring people out of the "oh so do I" syndrome and have them at their personality into what doing, right. So, so now with, with all of that said, let me give you a couple of book recommendations. So, one I would read anything by Austin Cleone, uh, Kleon, K L E O N. Austin Kleon. He wrote two amazing books. One's called "Steal Like an Artist," and one is called "Show Your Work." Show Your Work is the one that I really, really enjoy. So Show Your Work by Austin Cleone. And then The War of Arts by Stephen Pressfield is just one of those that I go back to over and over and over again. He just he, he completely obliterates resistance yeah. in that book. So that's definitely those two are huge.
2: Awesome, brother. Awesome. And just before you go, this is my final question, my most favorite question, and it is esoteric in its nature. So I'm tuning into that 50% woo um, is who is Jason Goldberg beyond the speaker, beyond the author, beyond the transformations, beyond the coach, beyond the skin suit, beyond the name. Who is Jason Goldberg?
0: Who are you? Dude, I, you know, the thing that comes to me is that I, am I'm joy embodied and personified whenever I remember to be that, right. Whenever I don't get in my own way, and put myself through a bunch of crap. Whenever I don't make the skin suit so significant and so important and so serious, then what's left is this golden retriever puppy who will lick your face and change your life. And and that that's who I am, dude. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a man of joy. And I try my best to spread that to everybody I interact with.
2: I'm super pumped to get to mind value you and have you lick my face.
0: <laughs> we're going to do it and we're going to film it and it's going to be the, the cover image for this, for this interview. this
2: interview. show notes to this. <laughs>
0: Dude, and one one other thing that I really want to do for your audience, and I'll do this for you afterwards, is I would love to give everybody the opportunity to get a free copy of Prison Break. Oh, uh-huh. the uh, so, so audio version, digital version, and if you're in the states, I'll send you a free paperback version. Uh, just for being a, a listener here so I will send you a special link just for you and your community and that's my gift to you guys to continue the conversation with yourselves.
2: Thank you so much brother that is so generous I love that book that is such a gift thank you for that my pleasure. and uh, just on the, on the note of the thank yous and before you dial out I really want to thank you for your time here today. I know it's been short sharp and shiny but it's been really really potent at the same time so thank you so much for your message and just on that like I one of my favorite uh, quotes is a, is a Picasso thing and he, like you know he was in a, he was in a sitting in a laneway. And this lady came and asked him to draw a portrait of herself. And he drew a portrait and he goes, here you go. And she's like, how much will that be? And he's like, oh, that'll be $10,000. And she's like, it took you less than 30 seconds. And he goes, yeah, but it took me more than 13 years to be able to fit the more than 30 years to figure out how to do that in less than 30 seconds. So that'll be $10,000 please. So I want to thank you for all the work you've put into yourself and, you know, like the, just the trail that you leave as well and like being playful all the time. And like the sadhana, I guess of just always showing up and always working on yourself and being of service and, being consistent with that mastery and everything that you offer and just embodying that so well. So thank you so much for that and wishing you thank as you. always all the best for where you're going with all of that. And I'll be seeing you really soon as well. So really excited. Yeah,
0: dude. And thank you, bro. Thank you for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you for the spirit and the energy you bring to the work. We need, we need, millions and millions more people like you in the world and this world will be totally fine. So thank you for showing up in the way you do and for facilitating this transformation, this conversation. I I love you, dude. You're awesome.
2: Love you too, brother. So for people wanting to get in touch with Jason Goldberg, the easiest way to do that is?
0: Uh, So, you can hit up playfulprosperity.com or thejasongoldberg.com. Jasongoldberg.com was taken, so I had to get the most pretentious website name in in the world. So, it is T A G, the or thejasongoldberg.com. And you can catch me either one of those places.
2: We're lucky you're so humble, so it all fits (laughs) (laughs) perfectly. Thank you so much for your time today, brother. Thank you, brother. Much love, man. Love you. Peace. Hey Tribe, thanks for tuning in to another fun, enlightening episode of The Inspired Evolution. I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is wwwamrit sanducom You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandhu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help The Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to The Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at The Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to wwwamret sanducom to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe.